Hello, I'm Howard Hocking and welcome to the 9320 Pod Friday show. Uh, we'll be previewing the Arsenal match, big match this Sunday, uh, looking back again at that amazing match in Napoli and uh, also just looking at whatever takes our fancy uh, and other Premier League games and so on. Delighted to be joined by the one and only Sam Lee this morning. Good morning, Sam. Morning, mate. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well. How was uh, Naples? It was great, actually. It was great. Um, yeah, it's got its very own particular sort of vibe around the city. Um, I'm sure. A lot, well, I'm sure a fair few of the listeners would have been either this week or um, the last time they played in 2011. Um, yeah. We'll know exactly what I'm talking about, or even just been for a holiday. But yeah, it was great, and it was good to go around and find those little Maradona murals I've posted on Twitter, <laughs> yeah, and Instagram the last couple of days. And and the game obviously was was everything we hoped for, really. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll come to that in a minute, but I've got one opening question for you first. Hmm. Uh, the group, the Champions League group stages have in the past been, they can be very dour. I mean, let's be honest, the setup of with pots and seeds and all sorts, that the big teams, it, you know, it's in UEFA's interest that the big teams get through. But do you think the group stages of the Champions League have been the most interesting and unpredictable for many years so far? Probably, but I have to say probably because it's quite annoying that well, first world problems probably what probably worse than first world problems. But because I because I do go to the city games, uh, home and away, yeah, especially the away games, you don't get to see um, because City play on the Wednesday. You just don't get to see the games on the Tuesday. You only really hear about them. You don't get to see the highlights anywhere really until you get back, and you don't get the feel for the drama that you do on the night. So you get one full night of action passing you by, and then pretty much two because you're at the game. And obviously, watching City in the Champions League this season has been great. Yeah. But you just you see the scores coming in elsewhere, but it, you just kind of go, "Oh, okay, fair enough." Like when Real, uh, when Real Madrid kept conceding against Spurs the other night, it was like, "Oh, wow, okay." And then you look back at the pitch and you carry on. So unfortunately, if the Champions League group stages have been a bit hour for the last couple of seasons they will have been the ones when I was watching a, a game every night and f- keeping up with it and now they've got better I'm seeing less of it yeah but yeah I mean, it, it does certainly seem that way yeah I've not seen a lot of it myself but if you look at it yeah it's just more looking at the results into uh, a lot of the games I wanted to watch just typical full on the same night as City are playing yeah, so yeah. you don't always see them uh, but yeah just I mean if you look at City winning their group might not actually be that big you know no, it news. might not be. Yeah, it would be like, was did Arsenal win their group last year and end up playing Bayern anyway? Oh, I can't it, remember. It could yeah. be that kind of situation. Yeah, because the champ. I mean, they changed it. Obviously, was it last season that the champions always get first pot? Yeah. Uh, so you're getting some bigger teams falling down. I mean, Juventus look like they'll be second. Bayern, I think, are going to be second Madrid, again. Madrid, Madrid will be. be second. Monaco, Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, not qualifying at all perhaps it's yeah yeah uh just seems there's been a change in the guard somewhat but yeah well i think it kind of ties into the conversations we had at the start about whether city could challenge obviously we didn't know how good they'd be at this stage but that was always always part of that was the fact that the european elite the biggest clubs around europe aren't as strong as as they have been and i think we've seen that in the group stages um with Bayern, real madrid and Barca, to an extent, Barca have been getting the results, but not necessarily been playing that well. Um, and I, I think that's just been borne out over the last few weeks. And that, yeah, that's why it has been more pre- unpredictable and more yeah. exciting because it's not just you know Real Madrid going to teams and 
scoring loads of goals. Although Ronaldo still, he got what seven goals as he already, and Real Madrid aren't even doing that well. <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah, some things well, never change, I suppose. No, they don't. No. Uh, we'll we'll look back at the Napoli game then. Uh, obviously, you were there. What yeah. did you make of it? As something of an outsider, but also an insider, uh, what did you make of it now that the the dust has settled? I, it was just it was just so impressive. Like it really was. I did a quite a quick shortish piece after the game, trying to get across just just how impressive it actually was. Um, just there was just so many different aspects of it. Uh, I mean, for a start. Napoli are really good, and yeah. they—they're the one. Well, one of three, maybe four teams in Europe who who can kind of put City under the kind of pressures they don't really want to be put under, um, and they did it. And City still came out on top. Um, obviously, the crowd were were hostile. It wasn't. It wasn't quite like the glory days, uh, glory days of Turkey, where you're probably yeah. shit was, scared. Was it not but, full either? Or? It wasn't full, but I think it was 40-odd thousand in a 60,000 yeah. stadium, but it was still noisy enough. But the main thing where that was most relevant was when City were playing out from the back. Um, but, you know, when because Edison's just completely nerveless, isn't he? And yeah. like, so, so are Stones and Amendi now, but Edison more so. It's just like it's completely natural to him. But the home fans were really ramping it up. And like the more City were passing it around, to get out and it wasn't just they were just passing it around between themselves they were under pressure but they were doing it to get out and it was the time where I think it was 1-0 yeah. and City ended up getting out went up the other end and Aguero had the chance he got deflected wide for a corner And but the more City were passing the more the home fans were jeering and whistling and you think it really takes balls to do that and to, to stick to that mantra in this kind of environment and under that kind of pressure from the team and the fans so there's that and then you look at it David Silva didn't play. And how many times when David Silva doesn't <laughs> yeah. play, it's just completely different. But nobody noticed. I mean, it's, it was just completely different. That is huge in itself. Um, Kyle Walker not playing. He's been, you know, he's he's not quite as influential as David Silva, is he? But he's, he's had a great season. I think he's been one of his best performance, performers. May, probably top five, maybe even top three. Um, but Danilo came in and did a really good job. Um I do still think there's a bit of a difference between Jesus and Aguero playing in terms of the pressure they put the defenders under. And I'm, I was a bit surprised Jesus didn't play. But I mean, yeah. I know I know Aguero got a bit of criticism, didn't he, for not having a great overall game, but obviously he scored a great goal. Um, so there's that element to it. And then the other element, of course, is that Mendy and company are injured. And again, go back to when company got injured at the start of September. If anyone thought City would have put this form together, let alone, you know, massive individual performances against Chelsea and Napoli without him. I don't think anybody would have believed it. Uh, and then Napoli going a goal up and then City going 2-1 up and Napoli coming back again. Uh, just the character of the side is so impressive. I mean, there's there's probably other factors I'm forgetting, but it was just it was just such such an important victory. And I mean, it it may not get quite as much credit as if City had have done it against a traditionally bigger club. But yeah. in terms of form at the moment around Europe, Napoli are right up there. That's and the thing. Yeah, so, sorry I've put in No, no, there. go for it. Yeah, it's like when... Yeah, we, we look at games where City have been given a bad test, maybe they conceded some goals, didn't win. We always tend to, in reviews, look at what did we do wrong? You know, and, you know, why, did, why weren't we better? Why weren't we better than the opposition with all the great players we've got? Well, Napoli are just one of those teams... 
that I kind of look at it as a neutral and go, you just can't deny they're very, very good. Yeah. They're going to create chances. I mean, they'll play anyone. They'll create, they'll probably create two or three good chances. You know, as they stand right now, the form their players are in, the way they're playing, I'm not sure anyone could just shut them out. No. And I found both the games utterly fascinating. You know, not as a City fan, really, but weird. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, you just go there and think, let's win. But, uh, very impressed with you know how they've progressed to be honest so yeah well what they've put together it's a bit like i think chile not so much now obviously they didn't qualify for the world cup but probably chile for the last four or five years the way that they've obviously got some star players but you've also got a lot of players like bochajor and bochajor floated around like wigan and birmingham as a right yeah. back presumably with their managers thinking oh well he plays really well for his country hopefully he'll do it for us but with Chile, they're always kind of more than the sum of their parts, and you get that feeling with Napoli. They've got good players, but the manager gets so much more out of them. And yeah, that ties back into how much of an impressive win it was for City, just because just everything in front of them, it was a really, really difficult game. And they still played really, really well and got the result as well. It wasn't, and again, it's not like last season where they play really well but don't get the result. They did it, they've got that cutting edge. Yeah. Yeah, I think Napoli, one of these teams that pops up every now and then that takes clearly talented players but maybe drifted a bit so they get them for quite good value yeah. and then you know then re-energise them you know into a force and I think they've done that a lot you know with Mertens as well just a lot of players there yeah I think uh, they got quite unlucky with Milik as well didn't they sign Milik and he's had he's had some really bad injuries he's barely played for him but I think he was another one yeah. spent, I think they spent a reasonable chunk of the was it the Higuain fee on him when they yeah. got him from Ajax but Oh no, I'm just checking it now. He was really, Not really sure, sp- yeah. a small fee, but yeah, he was—he's another one of those players where, yeah, you're right. Um, they they have kind of quietly constructed the team, and they've all got the characteristics like Callihan. Callihan, his career yeah. seemed to have drifted, but he fits perfectly into that team. And yeah. Mertens, as well as as a kind of central striker, false nine. He, I mean, he seems perfectly suited for that. You know, he was just another kind of Belgian speedy winger, not quite as good as Hazard and. Some of the like Carrasco, some of the players they've got, but they've they found a position for him and it just works. And yeah, for for City to obviously for Guardiola to come up with a plan to counteract that, and for the City players to carry it out, I mean, it just again it speaks volumes as to how good this City team actually is. Yeah, and just a shame that you know, Gulan's done. I think he's got the same injury as Mendy, and yeah, so. I, I, I'm not sure, but I like reckon Mendy. City were going to sign him. Eh? I reckon think- City. Were, I reckon City were going to sign. Him. There was a line in Pep Guardiola's press conference yeah. where they were like. Oh, and Gulan played fantastically well. We wish him well for his injury. And it's like, because there was a couple of reports on the night that he'd done his ACL. And it's yeah. like, well, how would how would City have known that? I, yeah. I just, yeah, I, I know there was enough links. And I never managed to quite get it stood up, which is what I haven't done an article on City's transfer targets yet, because I'm not entirely sure who they are. But, mm, yeah, I think... I think it <laughs> well, might have been incredibly bad luck that they this the left back they were going to sign to replace the one that's done his ACL has done his ACL before they've even signed him. Yeah, well, they still might next summer, but yeah. he may feel a loyalty to sign a new contract. I don't know when you're injured, it changes your mindset. Somewhat, it certainly does. It? Yeah, it certainly does. But, I mean, he's top class. If you know, if we could get him, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't normally take much attention to you know a. Uh, European teams player getting a serious injury well that's a real shame for Napoli isn't mm-hmm. it uh, talk about Aguero briefly because yeah. uh, you mentioned him you've done a, a great <laughs> article this oh, week oh, as well so uh, another, one. If, well, another long one not another great one I'll, 
Oh, I don't ah, know about that. You're just too modest. So. Yeah. If, you're, if you're listening, the answer, uh, do dig it out. Uh, what's it been like as a journalist covering him? Is he well behaved, shy, or do you just get absolutely nothing out of him? Is he just not? Uh, he just kept himself to himself all this time. It's, it's, it's see, it's interesting. It's generally you get nothing, right? And generally, he doesn't do interviews, um, <laughs> even even with like because like Bravo. He won't. He won't do English ones because he can't really speak English. But I think sure. even after the Wolves game, he, I think the English guys wanted to do him, but I think he was like, no, he like, they would have done it via a translator, but he didn't want to do it. But he would do it with like Chilean guys and Spanish speaking guys, and that was fine. But Aguero just doesn't really tend to do it with anyone. Um, I managed, I'm trying to. From my experience, I think it was in Pellegrini's season. He missed a penalty. I can't remember if it was against Kiev. It might have been against PSG. It might. Have, he might have missed one against both and I spoke to him after one of the games but yeah. managed to speak to him then but then as far as I remember didn't speak again until February of this year and that was just a hopeful one really because and as most mix-own things are you just just end up saying have you got two minutes to players as they walk past and they all go sorry I've got to go or just yeah. ignore you or whatever but the one with, the one in February which was quite the controversial one if you remember, it was after he'd been put on the bench for Jesus and Jesus had scored twice against Swansea. And then, again, like I say, Aguero hadn't spoken for the best part of a year, maybe longer. Um, and I went, have you got two minutes? He went, yeah. I went, oh, okay, here we go. And that was the one where I just started asking him, you know, just normal questions about his form and yeah. the team or whatever. And it became quite obvious that he had something to get off his chest. And that's when he said, you know, I need to, you know, the, the team need to decide if I've still got a place here. You know, I've just got three months left to to work hard and show what I can do and they'll have to decide and we'll talk about my future at the end of the season on all this kind of thing. So generally he doesn't speak, but you kind of get the feeling that if he is annoyed, he will kind of do it. But even then it, it goes back to be him. He is quite shy and retiring and he doesn't look for the limelight and he doesn't look to create huge controversy because I think him saying that, was was big because of who it was because a lot of players may have made more of it they may have done a big sit down interview in their own country and really gone to town on it yeah. and he and he does you know the the main interviews he does he probably does like one a year when he's back in Argentina uh, but it's never really controversial it's just a bit more of a chat and a bit more open yeah. so so for the fact that him to to do that in the mix zone in England you could tell that there was something to it but again we never heard from him again until basically until he scored the goal on Wednesday because he got his head down. He's as as he said in on in February, he had the three months to prove himself, and he did. He ended up staying. And he started the season well enough again. Was he got nine goals in eleven games and he's broken the record really like really quickly. Probably quicker than well, it's dragged on a little bit the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? Yeah. But but yeah, he is he is kind of shy. But the the thing other than just interviewing him, like when I when I did the articles about his his background uh, a few weeks ago, I did speak to him a couple of times in the mix zone, and he was okay for that. I said to him after the Everton game, "Look, I'm doing this project on you. I'd like to speak to you about your childhood." In the mix zone after the Bournemouth game, and he was like, "Yeah, okay, all right." And obviously, the Bournemouth game was when that fan or the steward complained that Aguero had hit him, so he just he didn't even go through the mix zone. He just must have legged it out of the stadium. Obviously, he didn't do anything wrong, but he didn't yeah. want to hang around. So I spent a couple of games chasing him, but he is kind—he is kind of a a lovable character, you know. He has he has got that really infectious smile, and you can see yeah. why. 
I mean, he's got everything as far as the City fans concerned, I, I imagine. You, obviously, he scores so many goals, important goals. Obviously, that QPR, the most important goal. But that, and I suppose for a lot of the City fans who don't like the media as well, the fact he, he bins them off quite often is probably a bonus. But that infectious smile he's got, he, he really is quite a, a lovable guy, really. And he is quite cheeky. And the stuff you see from around the, the training ground and some of the stories you hear of just him messing around and being quite playful and that. Yeah. I mean, I can see why so many fans, you know, really do feel so strongly for him. So yeah, I mean, he he, he is a quite shy guy, but I mean, I think I th- you don't really know. I mean, we get to see him in the mix zone and that kind of stuff, but even so, it's not it's not really a glimpse into their private life, is it? But I think for somebody to have lived in Manchester for six or seven years, when everybody kind of assumes that he was at one point going to go to Real Madrid, yeah, and he's just lived a quiet life got on with it, kept himself out of trouble. You know, the Amsterdam thing was was unfortunate. I think I think that is probably the best proof that he is just a quiet guy. He is just, you know, just just a just a normal bloke really who who really has dedicated himself to playing football. And in this case he's dedicated himself to City. And you believe he doesn't speak English. No, no, he does. He does. Um I mean I'd have said I'd have said this eighteen months ago because you know, if you speak to enough people around the club, you know he does, and he'd have to because you know, all, you know, most of the team meetings. Well, the team meetings are, but on the training pitch, most of it is in English. There's obviously a bit yeah. of Spanish chucked in, as Stones has said recently. But no, I mean, I think everyone's well. A lot of people have known for a long time that he does speak English, but he actually did it on BT the other night, didn't he? The first, the first interview he ever did in English, he did it on uh, BT after the game. Yeah. Um, and he he did it with Sky afterwards, and then we got him in a little mix zone huddle. But I said to him before, I went, look, we'll, answer, we'll ask the questions in English, but you just answer in Spanish because it's, it's, it's probably a little bit more expressive in Spanish. So I thought it would have been better for him to stick to it like that. And Do you speak I'm, Spanish? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, enough, enough to get by. No, to be honest, normally when I speak to him, he, he, t- he does take the piss out of me in a, I'd like to. I'd like to think it's in a playful way sometimes, because <laughs> like it was like again, there was might have been the back end of last season. Yeah, that was it. I was trying to get him to follow up at the end of last season on what he said in February, and I was like, um, he was like next time, and I, I tried to say, "Do you promise me?" But the way that the Spanish language works, it's all. It, I mixed it up a bit, and I said, "Do I promise you?" And he turned around and he just laughed. He went, no, no, no. And, he, and it, was, it was quite funny, but I, I did feel a bit of a dick. <laughs> um, uh, but, p- but yeah, yeah, normally it goes quite well. And he, he is quite funny. And sometimes if, if he doesn't want to do an interview, he will do it quite, in quite a, a funny way. Like the, the last little one I'll do, the last I'll go on about this. After the Wolves game, some of the Spanish guys were trying to get him. Um, and he, they were like, you, they didn't say he broke the record, but it was something like, Oh, you know, you, you just you just scored a penalty in the shootout or whatever, and he was like, "It doesn't count because it, it doesn't count towards a record, does it?" And they were like, "Oh, we don't know." He goes, oh, "He goes, I'll, I'll speak when it when it counts, but I'm I'm not talking now." And it's just, it, it's just the way he does it without being able to see the kind of the cheeky smile he's got. It's one of those like schoolboy kind of things where you could imagine having a go at a, a kid in class or whatever or someone for kicking the ball into your garden, but it's one of the, he's just got one of those faces you can't stay mad at kind of thing. That's probably yeah. the best way to sum it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people will be bored of me mention this, but what is going on with that contract? How can you not know? <sighs> no, yeah, it is weird because, I mean, I tweeted it yesterday and people said, oh, he probably wasn't thinking about it after the game. I was like, look, 
if there was if it wasn't such a weird situation in the first place, we wouldn't like we wouldn't have asked him about it because. And it's nothing, well, not necessarily to do with any kind of issue with Guardiola or anything like that, because it was obviously it was Pellegrini's last season when he signed it. But just the fact that it was signed and never announced, and the thing that makes it so mad, which people probably don't quite realise, because, you know, as journalists, there's some stuff we can say and some stuff we can't, but sod it. Like, you speak to the press officer at the time, and they go, yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's going to be signed. And, you know, since turned out that it already had been by that point but for City's press team to say something's going to happen it generally means it has because that's just how they work yeah um, but for like so this was like in the February of 2016 right and then all through the year it would be like oh when's the when's the the contract going to be announced and they went oh it's going to be announced after the League Cup final against Liverpool and it never was and then they were like oh they're going to we're going to do it in the summer and then we asked him in the summer uh, in the pre-season tour of China. They went, "Oh yeah, he's done a video announcing it. We're just waiting for the the, the Spanish language team to to put the subtitles on or something." And I was like, "Okay." And then <laughs> and then it was later in the season. It got into the season. They went, "Oh well, he, you know, it's not going so well for Argentina because this was after the Copa America, obviously, and Messi had retired briefly and all that. I mean, it's not going so well in Argentina, and Independiente want him to come back, so we not we might not announce it yet." And then. Um, it was around the time of the Gladbach game, they started. People at City started saying, "Oh no, he hasn't signed it." It was like, "Oh, he definitely has. Like, he definitely has." And then it went quiet again for another couple of months. And then that was when he was seen. He had the sit-down talk, didn't he, with his agents and Guardiola in that restaurant in Manchester? And Guardiola went, "He signed the contract, didn't he?" And we were like, "Well, you tell us." Yeah. But then one of City's media people came down and were like, "Yeah, yeah, he did sign it," but. um we never really we never really announced it at the time because some people were away and you know cheeky doesn't really get their big deal about why you announce a contract and I was like well that's not true because because no. Bagheerstein's come from Barcelona and they announced they're going to sign it and then they call a press conference and they sign it in front of everyone so he he knows what it what a big deal it is to announce a contract so there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes which makes it even weirder than it looks just from. Again, when when I asked Aguero about it in February, just to try and clear it up, he said 2020. I went, oh, fine. And then he did a couple of interviews over the summer in Argentina, and he said 2019. And his dad said 2019. And then the other night when he said, he goes, oh, I don't know, 2019, I think. But it's not, it's 2020. And again, people at the club said it's 2020. I spoke to one of his agents yesterday, he said it's 2020. And it's just odd. Like It's not like... I, it's gone past the stage where I think it's odd because they're going to sell him or he wants to leave or whatever. I just I don't think it's in. I don't think it's really tied to that whether he's happy or not and how he gets on with Guardiola or whatever. I just think in its own in its own right, it's really weird. And I think it probably. My guess is, it's well, it is twenty twenty, but I wouldn't be surprised if in two more seasons, if something doesn't happen before then. I wouldn't be surprised if the ideal scenario for Aguero and City is in 2019, he'll probably go back to Independiente for free. Hmm. Like with one year left on his deal. I wouldn't be yeah, surprised if that was be, how it would work. Yeah. Um, he'd be, th- well, he's 29 now. When's yeah, his birthday? Old, February. He, so it'd be, I think he might be 32 by then. You think it's linked to what he does later in his career? Yeah, because yeah, I think. But again, it goes back to the fact that everyone thinks he's he's going to go to Bar- uh, sorry Real Madrid. Yeah, and he just never has. I, I genuinely think he's 
at some point in his time at City, probably a good three or four years ago, he's probably gone, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to go back to Independiente. Yeah. And maybe they've just gone, right, we'll do it till 2020. And, and again, this was this was nearly two years ago they've done this. So it's probably just thinking ahead and go, we'll do it till 2020, but then there might be some kind of clause in it that his, his contract situation's strong enough that other European clubs can't buy him on a free in 2019. So they're, they're kind of out of the picture, but there might be a clause in it. And I need to check this out. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of clause in it where Independiente got him for, I don't know, maybe even for free. Because maybe out of some kind of loyalty thing to Aguero, they'd be like, look, you've given us, what would it be by then? Nine years? Yeah. You've given us nine years. You've, if he does stay until Fair then, yeah. he'll have what, 250, maybe 300 goals? Yeah. Um, and they'll be like, well, off you go. Go go back to your childhood club and enjoy yourself. Maybe that's why it's so weird because there's no other explanation for it. If I think if it was tied to his transfer, he'd have gone already. So I don't think it's anything to do with that. It's just an odd situation. I think it must be it to do with Independiente because uh. it would be difficult for him to, to go on a free at the end of his contract and not have other European clubs try and sign him. Yeah. So I think, I think it, it must be to do with that. Right. Well, yeah, you could make up, you could sit down and think what possible reasons and there just aren't any really. I mean, clubs no. will try and cover up bad news, but a contract extension yeah, exactly, for yeah. you know, your star player is just, is not really one of those, doesn't no. really fit into that category, does it? No, it's an, it's an even open, with it's the an Independiente, goal, I'd still don't understand yeah. why you wouldn't just mention it, you know, because, well, anyway, yeah, it's a strange one. Uh, let's move on and yeah. preview big game, on Sunday again, the Arsenal game. Uh, God, <laughs> I just you don't know what how to discuss Arsenal really because uh, you don't know what you're going to get. No, but, do you, well, what do you think? How do you think Wenger's going to uh, approach this game? He's had a collapse at Liverpool, was it? They lost four nil. Yeah, uh, and they went to Chelsea. I thought, oh, they'll get absolutely walloped here, and they were superb that day. Probably should have won it. It was nil nil. Yeah, they were solid enough, weren't they? they were... And it was like, wow, where did that come from? And you know, our city's records not great against them. No. Like you look at the semi final, just about beat them at home last season, but not a very good first half. So uh, we can't can't be presumptuous about this one, can we? How do you think? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> when, um, when were you saying what what can you what you think? You know, I don't know how they're going to line up. And obviously, was it a couple, a couple of years ago they? For the first time ever, seemingly in a big game in the new Arsenal era, they they set up quite smartly and beat City at the Etihad. And everyone thought, oh god, if they do this in a lot of other games, they'll be they'll be fine. And they never did, basically, until that Chelsea game. So I don't know what system they're going to go with or how they're going to play. But well, there is no such thing as a jinx. So don't don't at me if it doesn't happen. But I really think City could absolutely batter Arsenal because they're just they're not very good. And all this talk about good football or whatever it's not good football it may be attractive football at times but it's not necessarily good which is why they don't win anything and I think you know if Guardiola can come up with a plan to beat Napoli and he's come up with a, he's come up with some plans in his time you know there's a, there's a reason he's got such a good record against Arsenal and well I was going to say Arsenal win his teams but it is, it is just Arsenal isn't it there's a yeah. reason why and I mean as long as City don't have some kind of crisis in front of goal the kind of thing that happened last season wastefulness yeah, yeah. as long as City take their chances it could be 
it could be a walloping. It really could be because I just, I just don't think Arsenal are that good. They they looked okay at Everton, didn't they? But Everton are an absolute shambles. Do you think the players are not good, or it's, just, it's, it's just a management setup. and a malaise over the club? I mean, let's let's if you say Wenger left and mm. a top European manager came in, yeah, would you still say oh, that team's not very good, or would you expect big things of them? Um, I'd expect better, um, but at the same time. There's only so much they can do with the squad they have got and obviously the manager they've got because it's his tactics and his his kind of way of running the club and looking at things, which means that they don't win anything. Um, but if another manager came in, I'll, you'd probably expect a better finish with... You'd, you'd certainly expect top four, basically, because they're not, they're not good enough to win the league um, with that squad, but they're certainly good enough to get top four with, with the kind of quality they've got because... I look at Liverpool last year and even look at City, the, the kind of results that Liverpool and City had last year and the periods where people were going, God, these aren't very good. And they still cut reasonably comfortably in the end, got top four. So Arsenal should definitely be doing that. But it, you know, it was a couple of summers ago, 2015, they, they obviously had problems, the same problems they've got now. And they only bought Petr Cech. And you think, well, that's, that's not how it works. Like Real Madrid got away with it for a couple of years, didn't they? They've not bought anybody and they've yeah. still managed to win the Champions League because basically they've got that insatiable hunger of Ronaldo <laughs> yeah. just relentlessly going at it. And you've got big players like Marcelo and Sergio Ramos and Modric and they're, they're just absolutely brimming with them. Arsenal haven't got any of that and they try and, do, and, they try and bridge the already massive gap to the top of the table by not really buying any players. And you just think, what are you? What are you actually playing at? And it, it's it's for that reason that uh, I'd I'd be amazed if they beat City at the weekend because they just don't really have the setup. They haven't really got the players. They're really weak at centre back. They're weak in midfield. I mean, they give the way they give the ball away for Everton, even in one of their better games. The way yeah. they give the ball away in their own half. If they try that against City, they're going to get absolutely murdered. Did you watch that game then? Or? The Arsenal Everton game. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, I did. I I actually missed. I missed Rooney's goal because it was it was quite early. But yeah. basically, I came in and turned the telly on just as they were showing the replays. And I mean, some of the people still think Guardiola's team is playing out from the back is risky. And I had my head in my hands at some of the comments in the press box the other night. Um, but the way Arsenal do it, it gives it a bad name. It's just. You know they're they're facing the wrong way. They don't know what's around them, and that's why Edison and Stones and Otamendi. That's why those lot and Fernandinho. That's why they're so nerveless because they know they know exactly the position they're going to get it. They know how they're going to get it, and they know where the opposition are. But it's like when Arsenal do it. It's oh, I've got the ball. Oh, I'm, I'm facing the wrong way. Where's somebody else? And by the time they've cut, they've got all that, they're being pressed. And yeah. honestly, if they do that against City, they're going to get absolutely battered. And I, I unless City have a massive off day. I really can't see this going any other way. Um, you know, f- football's a funny game, so may- maybe it'll happen. But, you know, just going by how the team's set up and play, I just I just really can't see it. And, e- and even in midfield, if they manage to get it into midfield, like, they're, just, they're just not disciplined enough. And, I mean, we saw that against Liverpool, didn't we, before the before the international break and the first one of the season before the transfer window closed. Yeah. Just the way that like Ramsey and I think it was Ramsey, Ramsey and Zaka just pottering around and you just can't play like I mean, Liverpool battered them. 
I mean, yeah. and you just you just can't play like that against City, um, and unless they change it big style, it's going to be a big problem for Arsenal. I think. Well, can you see him going defensive? Or? <laughs> well, again, this this is the thing. You, the amount of times they should have done it, and how many big games has Arsenal has have Arsenal played in the last like five or six years? When you think they should change their style, and they haven't, they must have done it. I can think of twice against City a couple of years ago, which I mentioned in the Chelsea game the other week. Maybe they've done it other times, but I really, I can't, I can't remember that being the case. I think they should go defensive, and like this is something not something I'll ever say about City because they've got the players and the plan to not have to. They can keep going, and they are good enough to take their game to the opposition. Arsenal aren't, and that's Arsenal's problem. They think they can, but they can't, and not against. And that's why they never do anything in the Champions League, and that's why they always, always. Get absolutely hammered when they face a good team in the last sixteen, and it's the same. It's the same thing on Sunday. Unless City have some really, really weird off day, it it could be a bloodbath. <laughs> well, hope so. If you were an Arsenal fan, then would oh, would man. you have given up on Wenger by now? Oh man, I tr- I, I finally thought. I think with Wenger, he's always pulls out just enough the results, didn't it? It's like oh, to I don't stay. Know. So that well, FA well I mean, success. obviously he has, yeah, but. Saying if I was an Arsenal fan, and I mean people might laugh when I say this, but I don't like to moan too much. So you can only imagine how much I actually do moan. That yeah. not I don't, you know, I don't try in my, you know, my Twitter, my Facebook, or whatever. It's not, it's not floods of negativity and moaning and things I don't like or things that have annoyed me because no one follows me for that. I try, I, I do try and be more positive than that. You know, there's a lot of stuff that winds me up, like Ed Sheeran. I don't really get Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Like some of the some of the songs he writes are like AS level students just jotting in a notebook, just it's terrible. A, it's a prank being played on all of us. Yes, yeah, so. oh, some of them are good. Don't get me wrong, but some of them I just I just no, don't get not. it. But I don't spend my time tweeting about that, moaning about that. And you know me as as a United fan, I barely ever tweet about United. I've got my feelings about Mourinho and the playing style, and obviously Moyes and Van Gaal over the last few years. But I don't go on about it on Twitter just because you know I just, I, nobody follows me for that. And there's you know, life's too short, really. But I'll tell you what, if I was an Arsenal fan, oh my, I'd, I'd be, I think I might be like much worse as a person. I think it would have, <laughs> I think it would have just eaten away at me. And like troops. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I think I, I, I mean, I might even be an Arsenal fan TV. If I was an Arsenal fan and doing the Arsenal correspondent job, I think every game I'd be writing a feature afterwards, even if they were to win. Even if they got that nil-nil draw at Chelsea, even if after they win, they win the FA Cup, every game I'll be like, "Look, Arson, please go." And I'd like to think I would do it with a bit of decorum and a bit of respect. And I'd be like, "Look, Arson, he's he's great for the club. I love him. I just really wish he'd go." But you know what? After seven or eight years of it, I think I think you can probably tell I sound quite annoyed now. If I was actually, if I was an Arsenal fan, he'd put up for that for seven or eight years. Uh, I'd be going mental, and I don't. I don't get it as it is when we see Arsenal fans having a meltdown in like April, March time, earlier sometimes. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, they're still in the FA Cup semi-finals. They're still fifth in the table. I support I support Cardiff. I support Birmingham. I, I wish for that. But that doesn't matter. That's completely irrelevant. You support the football team you've got and your football team has got the goals that they've got. And Arsenal consistently falls short of those goals because a club of Arsenal's size should be doing much better. And they're not. And the sole reason for that, well, sorry, not the sole reason, the biggest reason for that is the way Wenger's running the club. And it's not just the fact that 
they're so far off the pace in the Premier League and a waste of time in the Champions League. Just look at the contract situation. Like, all of their best players are out of contract yeah. in, in the next 18 months. And he basically runs the club from a financial point of view. And they didn't sort out the Alexis problem in the summer. I mean, that was just naive because they, I mean, God, oh, Jesus. If I, if I knew in May that Alexis wasn't going to sign a new contract and move to City, then what did Arsenal know? But what did they think? They were just going to keep him and he'd be fine and everything will be okay or he'd eventually sign a new contract. It's just the way he runs the club as an outsider is frustrating. And I mean, it, you know, don't get me wrong, it's hard to feel any kind of empathy for Arsenal fans <laughs> because the way they carry on is yeah. is quite something. But yeah, if I if I was an Arsenal fan and because it's the same problems. It's been the same problems every season. And the frustrating thing for me is when the media or the fans think, oh, maybe this year Arsenal can, can win the title. And I noticed before the Watford game the other week, even at half-time of that game, because I think Arsenal were winning, I was on the way home from City and it was on the radio. I think it was Mark Lawrenson, who was actually quite good on this occasion. But he was like, have you noticed that Arsenal have quietly put a bit of a run together since that Liverpool game and no one's talking about them for the title? I went, yeah, you wait. 45 minutes later, they'd lost at Watford and it's, it's all starts again. Um, so yeah, if I were an Arsenal fan, I I think I, not, I'd just be a much worse person. I think I think I'd be, I'd, I'd be down there at the Wenger out rallies and everything if I hadn't already just given up the will to live because it's just, I don't know how they do it to be honest. And like I say, it is hard to feel empathy for them, but especially the ones who go to games and they pay a yeah. grand, 1500 quid for a season ticket and you know exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it really, I mean, it's a bit of a shambles, really. And I think when he does go and everyone looks at it with clearer eyes, I think everyone's going to realise that these I last few years, they're going to go, on, that was actually bad, wasn't it? It's the wasted years. They've lost five years. If yeah, got rid well, of at it, least. Been, if they'd been brutal five years ago, and I'm not underplaying FA Cup victories because, you know, it's a trophy. But yeah. if they'd been... Absolutely brutal five years ago. Seeing as you know his his ways were becoming old fashioned, or he wasn't adapting and got rid and got a European coaching. Yeah, you know, with the money they generate, yeah. You know, imagine how different it could have been. Yeah, uh, we do. We do. Yeah, I've been doing these history pods with uh, Colin Savage. Yeah, yeah, and he he mentioned once. You've just reminded me that he mentioned that managers used to be different. He used to be like club secretaries. Yeah, well, he said, uh, isn't he? Yeah, and he's kind of doing that, isn't he? He's running it as an accountant. He's not. He should be only involved, interested in getting the best players he can into that squad, the players he wants. Because it's not like a Harry Redknapp where you ask for twenty players and you bank up the club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the money's there, isn't it? There's got. A, they've got a huge slush fund, haven't mm. they? Uh, I think at least a year or two ago, the match day income was the highest in the world. I think. Uh, well, and yeah, it's just. Yeah, it, it is what it is, isn't it? You can understand the frustration. I wouldn't go because, you know, I pay three ninety now to watch City, this team. Yeah. Well, but you can't get into Arsenal for that, would you? You're talking oh, God, 800, no. 800 cheapest. Yeah, well, when, when I had a season ticket at United, it was about 650. Yeah. I know, it won't be that now. That was that was seven or eight years ago. Yeah. But at least United have frozen them for a few years as well, haven't they? Yeah, uh, yeah, Arsenal's just mad. He, he should. I mean, he's had he's had opportunities after the FA Cups, hasn't he? Just yeah. Bow out. I don't know. To be honest, the main thing is, and I won't go on about this for too much longer. I I, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he gets out of bed every day yeah. and thinks today will be different. I don't know because... how he does it. I don't know. It's some incredible drive he's got, but I think 
I think he's got incredible drive mixed with kind of incredible delusion because nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. Yeah, I don't think he's got anything He'll else to He'll never win the Premier do. League again. There's absolutely no chance of that. I don't and, think he's got anything else to do, though. It's like, yeah, he obviously doesn't so. want to retire. He still loves the game. But, oh, he could manage somewhere else, but maybe he doesn't see that as an option. So, it's you know, he sees this as his final job and he doesn't want it to end. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of stubborn. talk about him being like a, a technical director somewhere. But, I mean, that might work for like a mid-tier club. You think, oh, we need to get there. But if you were a big club and look at the way Arsenal have been running the last few years, you wouldn't want him to come in and em- like emulate that. No. Nah. Yeah, and you know it's not as if he's picked out gems of players like Mustafi or you know Saka. Yeah, no, exactly. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't really is, have an eye for a player anymore. Which is and, what you want the director to do. Yeah, and this I thing, mean, the, this the thing Sanchez about thing. The, the players. Oh, we oh we nearly signed Mbappe, or oh we nearly signed Ronaldo years ago. It's, it's become a joke now. Just yeah. keep it to yourself now. The thing with I, I understand he desperately not to sell Sanchez to a rival, mm. but he had to. Bite the bullet there and sell him because he'll come anyway for nothing. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. for one year or for five months and get him at half price. Was it really worth being stubborn? Yeah, and then you, you get rid of him, you sell him, and you can you can actually buy somebody and you can move on. You could yeah. they could have got Thomas Lamar who or whoever they did want exactly. Yeah, and they you know they'd have a fresh team now and they wouldn't have to worry about oh is it is he going to go in January? Where's he going to go? Is he going to go in the summer? Because he ain't signing a new contract. They could have done the same with Özil. I think yeah. Ozil, Ozil, to a lesser extent, he wasn't pushing for it like Sanchez was. But you just do it and move on. But now they've gone into another season. There's just so many question marks around the place. And Alexis's attitude, I think everyone, even outsiders, realise it's not outsiders like 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 us. I'm not saying I'm an insider with Arsenal, certainly not. Yeah. But everyone can see his attitude wasn't great before. It was obvious that he wanted to go to City. I mean, now whether he goes to City or whether someone come in and gazump him, it's. I don't. It's just such a mad situation, and again, it goes back to me saying, Wenger knew in May, if not earlier, that he wanted to leave and go to City. What did he think was going to happen? What did he think was going to happen this season? That he would just forget about that, sign a new contract, and carry on, and everything would be rosy. I mean, they basically, and especially with the Europa League as well, they've basically written off another season just because because Wenger pulls all the strings, and they haven't signed any. They haven't signed enough players to make a leap to the top. I think Lacazette's really good, but he's not enough by himself. No way. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Uh, have you heard anything recently about Alexis? Sanch- no, about Sanchez still wanting to come to City. There's been reports of that. Yeah, well, there's there's been re- there was a report by Simon Munnock last week, and obviously when Munnock's one of the ones where if he says something about City, you pay attention. Yeah, he's not. And I've talked about you know as, as a journalist, if if you if you don't get the story first and someone else gets it, you you need to you know you need to follow these things up. And you know Munnock is one of the ones where if you do it. You almost don't need to follow it up because you know it's true, but you know you, you take it seriously. So to see him, to see him say that they're not going to go for Alexis in in January was a surprise to me. But I mean, and I haven't I haven't written this yet because I'm not a hundred percent sure of it. But I am ninety percent sure they are going to go for him. I, I've been told, you know, by by people who know not not the same, you know, not, not the same sources in in the summer, which allowed me to write with a lot of information and not just who they wanted but how they were going to go about it not yeah. quite not at that level but as as far as i know they you know they still want to get they still want to get him but my you know the way that these things work if you remember when city signed bernardo silva that was that was in may was five yeah. weeks before the window opened and you think the legwork that must have gone into that they must have started that february time and look the transfer window opens in Two months now, yeah. so 
City will have deals in place. And I'm not, you know, again, I'm not sure. I'm just saying this is how they work. But with Alexis, given the agreement they had in the summer, given they knew after the transfer window closed and they didn't get him, they knew they would have to try and strike a new deal because they knew the goalpost had shifted because his agent could, they could feasibly sign a new contract at Arsenal and then leave anyway. But the agent would get two paydays and Alexis would get more money. Or they knew that he could he could go somewhere else again. There might be more budgets, you know, other clubs. Um, PSG might be able to look at it again. If he's on a free, they've got to do some FFP balancing. But if he's on a free, it wouldn't be so bad. So City knew they had to strike a deal again. But I wouldn't be surprised if if it already is sorted again and it just comes down to negotiating with Arsenal, which was the case in the summer. But yeah, I mean, I was surprised to see that they weren't going to bid for... Well, there was the story that they weren't going to bid for him in January. I kind of think that might be a bit of bravado on the club's part because I, th- I think there are people... Yeah, in the to club get the price going, down, maybe. Maybe, or or even just... Or even... It's just, just kind of... Just bare-faced bravado. There's not really any goal you know there's not really any goal for it I mean I remember a couple of summers ago when City signed Stones a story came out just before City signed him saying oh City aren't going to pay that it'd be a take it or leave it offer and I do just think maybe some people at the club just 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 say these kind of things and I'm not I don't I don't know if they've got they've obviously got the authority to do it because they've got the positions they have but I'm not sure if it's actually based in reality and I think another another part of the story was they're not going to sign a centre-back and again what I've been told was they are going to sign a centre-back yeah. um, and I think that I mean that much is is obvious really because the 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 reason City wanted to buy nine players in the summer was because they didn't want to take any chances in Guardiola's second season of not winning the league they wanted to give him all the tools to do it Obviously, the way the the transfer window panned out, they didn't get all the players they wanted. But just because they're top now doesn't mean they're going to think, "Oh, we'll be all right." It's just it's only strengthened that resolve to go and get these players in and make sure they do win the league. Because if something happens to Stones or Otamendi, then you really are digging even further deeper into the into the you know defensive kind of reinforcements. And they've done really well as it is with our company and Mendy. They've done better than anyone could have imagined, certainly better than I imagined. But if you get one more, then you've got a problem. And yeah. there's a lot of arguments about, do they need Sanchez now? And I can certainly see that. And there's certainly an argument for that. But if someone does get injured, then you think they've got a problem. And that City basically just don't want to take any chances. And I think it really is as simple to say, they wanted Alexis, a left-back and a centre-back in the summer. They couldn't get them. It's, I think it's as easy to say now that they want exactly the same in January. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I, have, I haven't actually, yeah. I haven't actually yeah. got all that as a hundred percent as I'd like it. And as soon as I do, I'll write that. But for now, that's yeah. just kind of my thoughts—a mixture of opinion and information, I suppose. Yeah, my hunches will go for him in January, but yeah. we'll see. Uh, we we'll should probably talk about Manchester City. Yeah, uh, is, if I, <laughs> is there much to say though? How will they approach oh, the game? Uh, same as come out there. Oh god, yeah, yeah, go for it. First twenty minutes, absolutely blitz them. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely blitz them. I'll do, do what they did against Napoli, and um, I think you know Sterling's had a, a couple of games of rest, hasn't he? So he he should be relatively fresh. The other thing is Arsenal. I know they played a bit of a weakened team yesterday, but having a game on a Thursday night it just affects the whole preparations, doesn't it? So they're going to be not quite at it. Um, yeah, Sterling's had a couple of rests. Sane hasn't really, but I know he didn't play against Wolves until he yeah. came on. But he's he's quite. He's, I don't think he's going to play for Germany unless they really 
mix things up, are they? Because he hasn't tended to play for them so much. So I think basically you just give it one last push. And like Jesus and who are Brazil playing? Because Brazil play in England, aren't they? Presumably they're yeah. all the games in Europe. So I don't think they've even got Not a travel. big travel ahead of them. So I think yeah. I think you'd just go with the strongest team, pretty much the same team as you tonight, bring in Walker and Silver again. Maybe Jesus instead of Aguero, maybe keep Aguero in. doesn't matter too much. But just go after them with a fast team. Because well, that's it. Would you play Sterling and Sane again and just yeah, have definitely. one of Jesus and yeah, Aguero? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, he, you know, I think you will. They, as they well. could play. They could play Aguero and Jesus and and one of Sane and Sterling, and you know yeah. it'll, it'll probably work just fine. But what I would do is, yeah, I'll, I'll play Sane and Sterling, and yeah, one of one of the strikers. Then that's what I'd do. Yeah. It, it works so well. Although what I always need to remind myself is Aguero and Jesus played against Watford, and I still think Watford's probably the best performance of the season. Yeah, not quite as impressive as Chelsea and Napoli because of all the, you know, the, all the other little caveats it entails. But in terms of the pure performance and the way they played, I, I think that was the best of the season. And Aguero and Jesus did play together for that. I know. Well, we've debated. So it, can, it certainly can happen. What's our best front line? I don't think there no, is there one. isn't one. There isn't. I mean, one. I know Aston thinks that it's one of one or the other. We've said it, you know, Sane and Sterling, and they were ripping up last season, you know, second half. Yeah. Uh, but it's not that simple because then you think, as you say, you think of the Watford game. Uh, and uh, did they play the Watford game at the end of last season as well? I think they yeah. both played, didn't uh, they? Yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah, the, final, uh, yeah, the last, last game of the season. And it's quite clear, yeah, there was a debate at the beginning of the season, can they play together? And they've put that to bed pretty quickly. So there's no obvious answer no. to say. But I would expect, you know, again, like the likes of Danilo... Bernardo Silva will just drop down again, won't they? Uh, David comes in, and I think he'll play one up front and put Jesus back in, probably. Yeah, probably, uh, probably. But yeah, we don't know. You, you would don't. assume you would assume that was why Walker and Silva were on the bench against Napoli, not for any great tactical thing, just just to kind of keep them fresh for for this. Which is saying something, really, because Napoli is probably the tough. Well, Napoli yeah. is the tougher game. But you didn't think you did that for to be a bit more cautious, or do you think you were just resting? Because Davis, Davis Hill has been, he's not been bad, you know, but he, there's been small signs he's a bit jaded and I think the rest would have helped him big time. Yeah, but what I mean is just for them to do that against Napoli as opposed to play him against Napoli and rest him against Arsenal is a little bit surprising because, you know, Napoli is, in my opinion, the much, a much tougher game than yeah. Arsenal at home. So I think it goes to, I think it shows that they're kind of keeping them back and Guardiola's mentioned for, Basically, since the last international break, he was like, "We got so many games until the next international break. We want to win them all and go into you know Christmas basically looking good." And I, th- I think they'll be looking for something against Arsenal. You know, I think they'll be really looking to put on a show. I reckon just just to go into the international break feeling just just good, just feeling good around the place. And everyone seems to be able to tell from Instagram and just everything that the atmosphere is really good around the team. And I think if you can. If you can really cement your place at the top, especially with United and Chelsea playing each other, that it, if you can beat Arsenal, if you can beat Arsenal, fine. If you can really make a statement, then yeah. I think that's I think that's what City want to do this weekend. You think uh, one to five to win the league? Do you think that's <laughs> fair odds? I think we're uh, getting, I do think we're still getting a bit ahead of us. That I mean that that yeah that does seem a bit yeah because football's football football's mad you know like, like the, oh. the the only reason. The only reason I can't see City beating Arsenal on Sunday is 
one if City have an off day, but that that ties into the foot the wider thing of football is mad. So yeah. you know, just whenever you think things are going well, something something bad will happen. So yeah, I mean, City they're not going to win every game, City, but I do think they've got enough to win the league. But I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be lumping on the life savings at one to five. <laughs> I do think they're going to win the league, but you know what I mean. When it comes, yeah. you know I mean, when it when it comes to putting money on it at odds like that, no way. I'd, yeah, I'd want evens or well, where well, yeah, one, one to yeah. two or something like that. Yeah. All right, I lost a score prediction then for the match. Okay, so barring the fact that football's mad and it ends up was a really frustrating game for for yeah. City, I, I, honestly, I can see it being a four nil or five nil. Right, go on. Which one? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> four nil. Then I'll, I'll be. I'll be. I'll play it safe. Oh, I think it'll be a bit tighter, so I'm going for three one. Mm. Yes, yeah, still big think. enough. I'm sure they'll take yeah, it. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, take it before the break. Another three points, and uh, yeah, hope that, hope that the later match because oh. we actually have a super Sunday for once. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. some of the recent offerings have oh, been God, yeah. mind-numbingly. I mean, I've been sleeping really well <laughs> Sunday nights, but. <laughs> Sleeping really well Sunday afternoons. Yeah, good God. Uh, but yeah, two actual great games. Uh, well, what you are you ex- well, what do you truly uh, expect from this Chelsea United well, game? Well, before sorry, Chelsea or are Chelsea in crisis anyway? Is he going to shut up shop? Chelsea's a really weird one, isn't it? Because they're they're not quite. I mean, this is. I've changed my opinion slightly after the Roma game because what I have seen of that is they were shocking. Apparently in the first half they weren't that bad, but in the second half they were very bad. Yeah. Um, but what I've always said is they're a weird one because they're not crap, are they? They're not in a crisis. They're not getting no. beat by everyone. It's not the Chelsea levels. You know, like, I remember the Chelsea levels of when Mourinho got fired. I remember one of the games, like a couple of times I was walking back from the Etihad or I'd be at the Etihad and like they'd be losing to Palace. And I know they lost to Palace already, but they were losing to Palace. They lost to Southampton. And you just think, oh my God, this is never going to end. But Chelsea are throwing in decent performances here and there. Like Atletico Madrid, they were really good. And obviously Atletico haven't been great since. But at the same time, if Chelsea were that bad, they wouldn't have done it. So it's hard to know what to, what to get from them. And there's, I think that there's a story in the Telegraph today, and the Telegraph seemed to be quite good with Chelsea, that he went, he went mental at everybody, basically, just for not getting their act together. So I think they're going to be looking for a reaction. But my thoughts ahead of the Roma game, and it's probably still pretty much the same now, but I was saying there's no way United are winning at Chelsea. Just zero chance of winning at Chelsea. Just no way. I, really? they, we got a terrible record. United got a terrible record at Chelsea for years, um, even under Ferguson. I mean, it, it, must be, it must be their least successful ground of the Premier League era. It must be. Um, yeah. They're... Last year was 4-0. It was an absolute shambles. Admittedly, Chelsea were much better. But I mean, now after the Roma game, I am I, I do kind of think maybe United could do something, but I still I still can't see them winning. I mean, maybe a draw and by a draw, maybe a nil-nil. I don't know. Yeah. I mean maybe there's a small chance of United nicking it, but I just I just don't see it. I really don't. Um I I, I don't know. And I think if both teams were to kind of go back to their best performances, I think Chelsea would win. It just kind of depends who's going to bring it up on the day because you know I'd haven't been great. And I yeah. mean, this is I mean, this is this is the thing we're judging football by by the results alone. You know, the beat Spurs fine. 
you know, good performance to shut them down. Okay, fine. That, I mean, that, it's not an easy job to do that to Spurs, albeit without Harry Kane. But, you know, the goal, it could have gone the other way. If Deli Ali had flicked in that uh, lofted through ball from Ericsson, then Mourinho would be absolutely getting it right now for getting his tactics wrong. As it, as it turned out, Ali kind of hit the ball with the wrong part of his foot. A few minutes later, a route one goal. And and everyone's saying, oh, okay, well, United's tactics were fine and, and they worked and Pochettino got his wrong. And I mean, that's just the funny way of analysing football on the results rather than what actually happened. So if United do that again, there's no guarantees they're going to win. Chelsea could take their chance and United could miss theirs. Yeah. Um, I just, I would still think, if I had to pick a winner, I'd probably, I'd, I'd still pick Chelsea, I think. Right. So honestly, what, what are your views, or do you not want to say, no, on, no, Mourinho, on Mourinho well, the, the, and his the, approach this yeah, season? Yeah, well, well my, my approach to football, I'm not quite... I'm not quite one of these people who are like, oh, football is, is the beautiful game and it should be played beautifully. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go around telling people that their way of playing football is shit. But I do certainly enjoy... And this is this is the conflict for me personally when people ask me, oh, what's it like supporting United but covering City? And I tweeted this after the Liverpool-United game. So the only thing is, the football I prefer, that's the football City are playing. And United are playing the, the opposite to that, really. They're, in, in an ironic way, it's the kind of football that a lot of English people think is the best way to do it. You know, when... You know, go, going away to a team and grinding out a draw, it didn't yeah. get it didn't get celebrated against Liverpool. But a lot of times, you know, if you think when England qualified for the World Cup in '98, um, and just the way they went to Italy and got a nil nil, and was it Paul Ince come off with a head bandage and everyone and just digging in and tackles everywhere? That's kind of the stereotypical British way of getting a draw, and people still like that. But you know, I, I don't, and I don't want to see United playing like that, um, and. It's just the thing is, I'm I'm kind of used to it results-wise over the yeah. last few years because under Moyes and Van Hal, it's been terrible. Um, and Mourinho is not all bad. Um, the thing that annoys me most, we'll get onto that in a minute. But it's not all bad because look, United generally are still winning games. And even if you know, even teams who win the league, you're gonna draw at Anfield and lose at Huddersfield the next week. That can happen. That will happen to City at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. But the important thing is. Look, the Benfica game after that was... Uh, no, the Benfica game in the middle of that, that was rubbish away. And they've had a couple of bad performances since, but I don't think you can underestimate the value of actually getting back on track after bad results like that. And look, United could have easily lost to Spurs, as I have said, but they are winning and that kind of is a Mourinho quality. So he's not all bad. I don't like the approach, but I do, I do certainly appreciate the fact that teams aren't turning up at Old Trafford and just winning like... Van Hal's teams, you'd think they'd get in somewhere and all of a sudden you'd just lose or draw nil-nil and it was just poor. And even last season, that was the case with United. So some credit to Mourinho for getting United back on track. And again, they had a lot of, you know, finishing sixth last year and they might have tossed it off towards the end to focus on the Europa League, but they finished sixth for a reason. They weren't good enough. So to, to bridge that gap and get up to be fighting for the title, that is something. And I mean, he does deserve credit for that because it's not easy. You can't just buy a success. You can't just buy good players and expect to win. You need to actually do it. And he is doing that. I just don't quite like the way it's played. So I'm a little bit conflicted at the moment. But the thing that annoys me most about him is just the moaning. And I know this has basically been a rant for me for an hour. So it's a bit rich. But if I was a manager of a football club, I would... 
it's constant moaning. He's never he's never happy. He's never happy. People behind the scenes at United aren't you know they're they're a bit sick of him. People around where he he's staying, you know, just people around him. He's, yeah. he's just he's like a dark cloud basically, and he's basically he brings a lot of people down. And you think, I wonder how long that can last in the in the change room. And this last week, this stuff about having to go at the fans and putting in these program notes. Did you see that in the week? Yeah. Put, uh, I've not I, seen the notes, but yeah, I saw you mentioned. Hope, yeah. I uh, hope they enjoy this game more than yeah. you appear to, Yeah. Yeah, I hope you enjoy this game more than some of you did against Spurs. And you just think, look, when he took over and he was making a couple of points, like, look, we need Old Trafford to be noisy. We need we need yeah. our fans there. And I mean, that was the kind of acceptable kind of G-ing up thing. And look, Guardiola's done the same at City. And it's not always gone down well. But I think no, they're both it's, right. It's utterly, yeah, but they're, they're clueless about real life. Yeah, oh, I don't mean There's people up. who, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, yeah, the prices just... have gone up 17 times in 20, you know, about 1,000%. Oh, yeah, I mean... The, the, the reason for why there isn't an atmosphere is not down to the people sat in the seats. It's no. kind of the people who aren't there that are the reason, and you were driven away by the, the actions of the club owners. So yeah. it is so disrespectful for Mourinho to tell fans how to enjoy a match in the same way Pep bemoaning an atmosphere and not understanding the true reasons how we all got to this point. Yeah, I, I, I suppose so. I mean, I, you're certainly right in terms of the way that the people who aren't there or even the people who are, but they get spread out, they get moved, they're not near their, they're not near mates, they're not near, you know, you've got no kind of section where you can generate noise from because people get spread out or whatever. Um, but I, I do think, I do think it's, I do think it's acceptable to say, look, the people who are at the stadium, look, we want a bit more for it, a bit more from you, whether it's tourists or whoever, I th- just be a bit more supportive. Fine. I think, I think that's fine to say, but as I said, this was like last season when, when Mourinho and Guardiola took over and they kind of did it in their first few months. But what Mourinho is doing now, which is basically just having a go and digging out fans and kind of, He's kind of treating fans as he's treated Luke Shaw and Anthony Martial. You know what I mean? And yeah, you know, but fans aren't. You can't. You can't do carrot and stick. Sorry, carrot and stick to fans because if the results turn and you know United had lost against Spurs or they may well lose against Chelsea. I mean, who, who have you got left to defend you? Because he's not. You know, he hasn't got the support of United like Guardiola has at City. If something went wrong with City. Guardiola's still got a power base there, not just because half the staff, and I'm not taking the piss or being facetious, half the staff there are Catalan or his own people. If you know, if Guardiola went, you'd have to you'd have to start from scratch basically as a club. And probably yeah. even the sporting director and the CEO would go as well. You know, everyone would go. But at United, if things don't go that bad for Mourinho, who's going to stick up for him? Who's going to go, oh no, actually, let's give him a second chance? Because, you know, if you know, Duncan Castles, we all know what to think about him. But if he has got good contacts, it's at United. And if yeah. he if he does put out stories you kind of think have come from somewhere, then it's from Mourinho. And he's done a couple, hasn't he, of saying Mourinho's um, sick of Ed Woodward. So if Ed Woodward comes, uh, we might have to sack this bloke. He looks at the fans. Are the fans happy? No, they're not. He looks at the players. Are the players happy? Some of them aren't. Um, are the results good? No. Do I get on with him? No. Are the board of directors happy? And, you know, by all accounts, Bobby Charlton didn't want him in the first place. Yeah. It's not a difficult decision, is it? You just get rid of him. So, yeah. that, so that's, that's my main issue with Mourinho, is just the, just the way he's doing it. I mean, the football's one thing, but if you're, if you're just dour and 
miserable the whole time. It's just there's there's just nothing nothing to warm to. I suppose it goes back to the Aguero thing I was saying earlier. Like you know, he not only does the business on the pitch, and he has done consistently for City. And he is doing now, even with all the challenges Guardiola's put in front of him. But he just he's just this Liverpool kind of guy that you don't yeah. see much of him. But when you do see him, you think, I love that guy. Yeah. You just do not get that with Munio at all. There is absolutely nothing to warm to him. And again, in terms of the support of the fans, you know, there's been a couple of songs started up recently about, you know, about Mourinho and the team Mourinho's building. But if you start if you start taking out some of the, the few songs that United fans sing at home on a match day, I'm not trying to have a go there, but you know, there's, there's only so many songs you can hear actually catching on. And if some of them are about Mourinho, but the fans stop singing about him because they think he's a knobhead, then I, I just don't know what he's getting out of it. I really don't. You can't do carrot and stick with fans. You can do it with some players because Martial looks good. Martial looks like the player we hope he can be. But sure, it's, you know, that's just... He'll go and be the player everyone hopes he can be for someone else. Yeah. Um, but fans can't go. Fans won't leave United. The manager will have to go eventually. Yeah. And and I'd like to think, I'd like to, I'd like to think, and this is this is quite an admission, but I would like to think from a from a point of view that football is just more than more than about just who wins and loses or club allegiances, I would like to think that Guardiola's football is successful in England. And I think if Mourinho's United were to win the title this year and it gets to the stage where in May people are going, oh, that result at Liverpool was good. Or if they draw nil-nil at Arsenal, when Arsenal are 7th in August, or sorry, not August, terrible month to pick, it's already happened, in March, you know, and if they if grind out a poor result... And people are slagging off at the time, but in May they win the league, and people go, "Oh, that was a good result playing for a draw at Arsenal when they were seventh. Mm. I don't, I don't really want to live in that world. I want to live in the world where people go in. Turns out you can play out from the back in, in the Premier League. Turns out you can dominate possession in the Premier League. Turns out, turns out you can have young English centre backs and young English forwards and just young forwards from all over the world, and you can gel them into an attacking team, and you can go." to Chelsea and play them off the park and we haven't seen what City can do at, at like Anfield or, or Arsenal or United yet this season but I would like to think if it gets to May we would go well Mourinho went to Anfield and drew 0-0 and it was terrible Guardiola went there and they won 3-0 and they were great and even as a United fan I think I would like to get to May and see City win the league playing football like this for basically all of it. I think it'll be I think it would be better for football in this country. And I think people would start to think a different way about football. And the people who wrote off Guardiola last year as just some foreign bloke who's had success with small teams like Barca and Bayern, but it won't work over here. And that's because English football's different and English football's untamable and basically you've just got to play long ball and defend. I just I think it would be better for football in this country and for the media as well, because most of the media is made up of 50, 60-year-old blokes who are exactly the same as the bloke in the pub who think playing out from the back's a waste of time. I just think it would be better for City to win the league and have success than for Mourinho to grind his way to another title because English football has never got a better opportunity to change, I don't think. So this is you. Is this an exclusive for 93-20 that you're converting to the dark side? I'm not converting <laughs> because... <laughs> 
We'll get you a kit. We'll get you a top. <laughs> thing is, oh, well, I've I've got one upstairs from the media game at the end of the season. I still need to, I still need to give it away. I haven't got around to it yet. I normally do it on Facebook. But anyway, this is this is it. It's not. I'm not supporting City, and I'm <laughs> and, I, and I'm I'm still a United fan. And this is it. People tweet me all the time, going, "Oh, come on, support City or come to the dark side or whatever." But I mean, nobody would actually want that. And I'm, you know, it's just it's one of those things. You yeah. You, you, it's not that you don't change the football team. You just can't, can you? You just you just can't do it. It's not in you. But I just I do think, but I don't know. Outside of football and Legion, so maybe, maybe I'm talking bollocks. Maybe maybe people are saying, no, you are a City fan now. But <laughs> I, I would look if if, oh, Pellegrini, if Pellegrini was the manager. Look, when I first covered City, I didn't want Pellegrini's City team to win the league. I didn't I didn't want them to fail. I just I wanted United to to you know just carry on yeah. but now with with this kind of good versus evil battle that we've got you know Guardiola's football versus Mourinho's football with the whole subtext of this is how we play football in England and these possession methods don't work and there's this argument now about oh people go on about playing good football but I'd rather play and you know play a bad game and get a result than play a, a great game and, and lose 2-0. It's like, you don't have to, that's not the choice. You know, that may be the choice at Arsenal, but we know Arsenal yeah. fans aren't happy about that. This is some hypothetical choice that you are putting on to others. What if the choice is you play beautiful football and you absolutely batter teams every week? <laughs> why not Why not have that? If, uh, if this pragmatism won through and he somehow won the league yeah. this season... You think he'd change? Would he become more expansive next season? Oh, or? God, no. Well, but again, I, I, I don't think he would. And just, just from the kind of like on the human level, why would you? Because, yeah. I mean, I don't, I very much doubt he's doubting himself, but he's had a couple of lean years. And even the title of Chelsea, which you can never take a title for granted, but, you know, it will be a second title since Real Madrid. And I think Real Madrid changed him. I think if United had got him before he'd gone to Real Madrid, which is what I initially wanted before Ferguson retired, like years before, like 10 years ago, yeah. then they'd have been better off and Mourinho would have been better off. Um, well, in terms of, well, maybe my opinion and other people's opinions of Mourinho would have been better off. You know, you won the Champions League Inter, fine. But I think if he is doubting himself, and even if he isn't, if you win a title in his own way, then he's going to go, oh, well, that worked. Why, yeah. why, why, why would I? Why would I change that? And look, there, there is nothing wrong with being more attacking against certain teams and being defensive against others. I mean, that is fine, and it's not easy to, it's not easy to, to purely defend and keep out the best teams. Um, I, I just think when the alternative is what Guardiola's doing, then he should be getting more support from neutrals and the media, and not played down as, oh, it's City. Or oh, they spent loads of money, so what do you expect? Or yeah. he can only do it. Just just childish shit you get. The same kind of people who say, "Oh, we only had sex. Uh, he only had success with Barca because of Messi." That kind of shit. I yeah. think people should just drop that. Just look. This isn't going to happen again. Like as, even if English football does gradually change because if City win the title of the Champions League playing like this you're not going to have somebody exactly like Guardiola but at least teams might start trying to play like it and it might not always work but at least it's better to go and watch you know when Swansea came up I was speaking to somebody who's whose son's a Swansea fan the other day and he got into it because he came, because he went when Swansea first came up and it was good then to see a Premier League side come up 
play good football and establish yourself in the league. And they're still here. They're still doing it. It can be done. I think it just needs to come from the top down. So, uh, yeah, I just think it will be good. Maybe I am wanting, maybe I am wanting City to win every game now. Maybe I am. But (laughs) it's just, part of it is, I think it'd be good for British football. And part of it is, I'm kind of sick of hearing people say it's not going to work and hearing people in the press box next to me going, I don't know. Someone said this the other night. I don't, I direct quote. I don't know why they play out from the back. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's bound to cost them one day. I just want, oh God. Yeah. What does that even we mean? This last how, how can you, but how can you separate that playing out from the back to them? Fair enough. The other night, the first three goals, they weren't, City's goals from playing out from the back. They were set pieces and counter-attacks. But City's game is based on playing out from the back. It's based on being patient, pulling the other team apart and then ripping, up, ripping them apart in the final third. They've done that basically every game this season, barring the first couple. And how can you, how can you say it doesn't make any sense? And it's you just a think journalist, that, though. Yeah, it was a journalist, yeah. And you just think who, this... Who you can't name, obviously. God, no. I mean, I like him as well. But I just wanted to... It was... I was just like, this is this is the level we're talking in this country. Do you know what I mean? Like, how can you how can how can you actually watch City so often and say that? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And it's well, and it's that kind of thing. And it's that kind of thing, not just for, good for British football, but it's my own kind of vindictiveness. I would like to be able to go, look, they can do it. And this you can play it like this. And it's not all defensive shit. You can play football a better way. And fair play to anyone who wants to try because you've got to swim against the tide of absolute nonsense from fans and media in this country. And that's why I want things to change. And if it means City winning the title this year or next year and not United, fine. But if it means, probably I suppose in an ideal world for me, United then go and get Pochettino or somebody else and they play better football and they win the league, great. But for now, if it takes Guardiola winning it with City, absolutely fine by me. Well said. God, what a, what a rant that has been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it three hours in? No. Right, no. well, very, very... I'll move on before you get too down All right. about Marine. Uh, one super quick last question mm. then. Uh, notice that the FA Cup, I think, presume the first round kicks off tonight mm. and over the weekend. Does it still mean a lot to you, this? Because I still get a little buzz seeing those when I saw the fixtures thinking, oh... It's the uh, road to Wembley and all that. Uh, um, no, because you, you... <laughs> as a kid, as a kid, it was huge, of course, because yeah. you didn't see much football, and even on FA Cup final day, which never involved City for me, mm. it was a big day. You'd go around, watch the build up, you watch the final. God, even have my City kit on, you know, it's just like as a big thing. Obviously, it's diluted now, and the FA haven't out. But does it still mean just the competition as a whole? It still means well, something to the, you. The mad thing is, if you were to get me on three topics that would get me talking most, it would probably be Arsenal and then inverted commas, good versus bad football, yeah. and then the FA Cup. But I'm not going <laughs> to go on about the FA Cup as much as the other two. Um, the, thing, the thing is, I think the League Cup should be scrapped, especially now they've made it a right shambles, haven't they, with all the draw yeah. procedure and everything. I think that should be scrapped. You don't need an extra competition. But its format and its layout is better than the FA Cup. And you get more, you get more drama and there's no replays and you know, everything's sorted out on the night. Um, the, games are, the games are generally better. You know, it gets a bad rep, but you can get a lot of good games. And the semifinals are good, you know, two-legged semifinals. And I, I think they should scrap the League Cup and kind of make... 
the FA Cup take on the League Cup's format in terms of you know no replays and that and two-legged semi-finals. Um, maybe if I was to go further, I'd probably spread it out because I'm not I'm not a traditionalist at all. I, I did enjoy watching the FA Cup um, when when I was younger and when United won it a couple of years ago. Honestly, I couldn't have been happier. It's one of the one of the tournaments every year, and especially in the Ferguson years where you just take success for granted. At the start of the season, you'd always want to go for the FA Cup. You think, and especially you know I went. 2004 to 2015 without winning it that's a long time a long time for United and especially when United were like way above anyone else in terms of winning it but Arsenal ended up winning it loads even when Arsenal are rubbish and it, it, it gets on your go so the FA Cup you know it is still important but only when it gets to the final or the semi-final like I just and the worst thing it's it's arguably worse in international breaks when you get to January or February and the league's going on the league's good and all of a sudden they go no league this weekend it's the FA Cup and it's Chelsea against yeah. Bradford at Stamford Bridge and you just think no nobody wants to see this nobody wants to see this and teams are playing second teams anyway nobody wants to go nobody wants to watch it on telly it's rubbish um, I'd, I'd put the FA Cup in, in midweek uh, and maybe spread yeah. it out maybe spread it out because, so it doesn't start for the big teams in January and but I think the only way that, that would, you could actually do that, obviously the first round starts tonight and there's loads of qualifying rounds and pre-qualifying rounds or whatever. But I think at that level, when you're pre-qualifying for the FA Cup, you know, we're talking, I don't know, eighth or ninth tier? Yeah. Maybe slightly higher. But you could, I mean, I don't I don't know entirely how it works. It's a half-baked theory, but since we're talking about it, like mates in the pub, I'll, I'll go with it. I'm not writing an article about it. It's just going to be scrutinised. Um, at that level... When there's qualifying, could they not do some kind of like summer tournament? Like everyone loves playing football in the summer. And at that level, you know, yeah. we're not we're not yeah. talking marginal gains, are we? We're not talking, yeah. you know, Leroy Sane's hamstrings becoming overworked because he plays an FA Cup qualifier on a Saturday, one on a Tuesday, one on a Friday. Just just have a big kind of round robin tournament in the summer, which fans of the local club would go to because there's no football on. You go to it, you make it like a non-league day kind of thing, and then they're ready to go, and you have the first round at the start of the season. You play it on a Wednesday night like a League Cup. And yeah, it probably would devalue it, but do do you devalue it, or do you limp on with a competition that nobody really wants to play anyway and pretend it's got the old aura of the past? Because it hasn't. So just kind of move with the times. You get rid of the EFL Cup, so you've got less demands on your players, and then you can spread it out through the season. So you haven't got a period where from September to November, City are playing every week because they've got AFL Cup and Champions League and obviously Premier League at weekends. You've just got one You've just got one, one cup game if you're still in it. You've got one domestic cup game every month maybe because everything has just been spread out and the, the, the calendar's been less cluttered. And the fact that England have got an extra cup competition and no Christmas break doesn't make any sense. Get rid of the extra cup competition and then just just change the FA Cup because the FA Cup's not working either. Yeah, that's okay. what I'd do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I gave my own ideas, we'd go over two hours. So yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, it, maybe it, next time. It's been devalued. There's no two ways about it. Uh, and the pub, you know, but I'm not sure about. Still not the final the in pub, May. The part of the problem was spreading it. I mean, they even once they had them spread out like quarterfinals. They had a game on the Monday, didn't you? A game on the Tuesday, a game on the Wednesday. Yeah, it was great if you just want to sit home and watch your football, but 
like the FA Cup third round used to be, yeah, you know, everyone played that day. It was a big thing, but that'll spread out and die. Yeah, and... yeah, like Friday night now when it's, you're just watching United against Shrewsbury on a Friday night and you're just yeah. like, what has life come to? Yeah, it's... Semi-finals at Wembley, final yeah. kicking off at stupid times, the draw during the one show. And... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's rubbish. But, <laughs> just uh, go back in, to basic. Go back to Spain, basics. Like... No replays, as you said. Uh just get it all sorted. Like Spain, on the day. Spain's Copa del Rey is quite weird because I think they do most of the ties over two legs and they play like every week. You've got yeah. like a Copa del Rey tie for like a few months and then they'll get to like March and they go, all right, the final's in three months and there's a big gap. But if, if you were still to do that, so you'd spread it out. So you've got, maybe it'll be more of an event as well. Maybe it would make midweek football a bit better because if you are playing an FA Cup fourth round tie on a midweek in... Maybe yeah, maybe the fourth round's in January. Yeah, and then the fifth round is in March. And is, is the fifth round the quarters? And then and then you got the semis. Six rounds the quarters. The six round the quarters. So, oh, so the fifth round's a month later, and then the, the quarters are in March in the midweek, and then you just go April, and then May's the final. Just yeah. just spread it out. Don't disrupt the Premier League calendar, which is mad enough as it is. And then, like City the other year, when Pellegrini binned off the game against Chelsea because he thought, well, if we get to the next round, we're going to have to play another game and there's going to be a big pile-up towards the end of the season and we don't want that. You'd, you'd just avoid that as well. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'd do. But, okay. God, this has been... This is, I've really enjoyed this. <laughs> this has been and this is from a man who says he doesn't like to moan. Yeah. Well, you've, you've got it all off your chest in one game. I know. My brummy so. accent comes out as when I'm having to moan as well. So... <laughs> I've really helped right, myself. Well, I think we run out of time, so thank you very much, Sam, as always. Yeah, nice one, mate. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah, have a good weekend. You uh, and thank you for listening, everyone. We'll have, obviously, a review of the Arsenal game coming up early next week and lots more as well. So uh, thank you for listening and speak to you soon. Goodbye. <laughs>